Thank you for joining us. On this side of heaven, we will never reach perfection. However, we can strive toward it. And how can we do that? By examining ourselves and petitioning our Heavenly Father to evaluate our faithfulness toward Him. As the Word of God tells us, we must test ourselves to see if our faith is genuine. As David did, we must petition God to search us, try us, and lead us in the way everlasting. Listen with Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander challenges us today. There are people right around you that are even suicidal, even though they look so good, dress so good, and have a Bible in their hand. They're in desperate need of a word of encouragement and compassion, not from everybody else, but from you, from you. You see, one needs to understand what a benediction is and its importance. Okay, one needs to understand what a benediction is and its importance. Let me tell you what a benediction is so you won't be so hasty to miss it. A benediction is giving praise to God for his goodness, for his grace and mercy toward us. It is giving praise to God for his goodness, grace and mercy toward us. It is also invoking a prayer of protection and blessing upon the congregation as we prepare to leave the house of God and go into a world filled with evil, into a world filled with death, in a world filled with tragedy, in a world filled with danger, seen and unseen, and a world filled with uncertainty. And let me tell you something, you need every prayer you can get before you leave out of here. If that be the case, and it is. So it is spiritual negligence unless you got to go to work or have a baby or or something pressing, pressing that's beyond measure. We're not talking about that. You go, you want to get to Luby's. (laughs) You want to get in before the crowd, wherever that is, whatever your restaurant is. You want to get home. You want to get home. And home's going to be there. Number five. Number five. I'll do a few more and we'll stop. Are you allowing business, the activities of life, noise, and technology to squeeze out the time you should be spending with the Lord? Are you allowing business, the activities of life, noise, and technology to squeeze out the time you should be spending with the Lord. Mark 631 says, and he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there are many coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. Listen, people will pull you in so many directions until they'll cause your life to be misdirected. And you need to give, ask the Lord to give you his agenda for your life. And not try to fulfill the agenda of people. People don't know when you maxed out. People don't know when you're on the edge. People don't know when you're at that breaking point. But God knows and God won't put any more on your plate for that day that he wants you to have. People will overflow your overflow your plate and they will cause you to have a nervous breakdown because you're trying to live up to the expectation of people when you ought to be living up to God's expectations for you. Are y'all hanging with me? That's so critical. 
You can distract yourself right on into sickness because you're trying to be all things to all people at the expense of not spending time with God. You're Facebooking everybody. Everybody, you got something to say. And everybody talking to you and you talking to everybody, everybody giving you their thoughts, everybody giving you their opinion, everybody talking about what they think. And that is a cheap substitute for the authoritative word of God. Social media can take you clean away from God, clean out of his will. And you don't even you're so far from God, you don't have a spiritual sense to know you are disconnected from God because of the distractions that have, have intruded into your life. Sometimes God allows you to forget that cell phone because he don't want you to have it that day. And some of y'all drive five miles back to get the cell phone. But you won't drive five miles back to get your Bible. Oh, God help me preach this message. Number six. Are you making good use of your time by keeping focus and being committed to that which is priority? Or have you failed to manage yourself and the precious gift of time? Here we are. This is a brand new year. Some of y'all wasted too much time last year. Are you making good use of your what? Time by keeping focus and being ever so committed to that which is priority? Or have you failed to manage yourself and the precious gift of time. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 and 16 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best of the time because the days are evil. We're in an evil day, folk. We're seeing so much evil until we can't even take it anymore. My friends, we're not to waste time behaving like fools. The worst thing you can have is a Christian who's acting like a fool. We're not to be wasting our time living misdirected lives or living in pursuit of the, the attractions of this world. We're to make the most of our time on earth and fulfill God's will and purpose for our lives in our generation. I reiterate, we're to make the most of our time on earth and fulfill God's will and God's purpose for our lives in our generation. There's a big scripture on that, Acts 13, 36a. Acts 13, chapter 13, verse 36a. It says, for David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep, was buried with his fathers. What a scripture. Look at that again. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, what did he do? He fell asleep and was buried with his fathers. You are going to serve this generation and when your time is up, then you fall to sleep in Jesus if you know him or you fall asleep in death and open your eyes up in hell. This is your generation and this is your time and this is your season and and time is a gift from God to you. And there's something called the stewardship of time. And we're going to stand before God and answer to him as to how we used his time. 
Number seven, is your life bearing fruit to the glory of God? If there's no fruit on the tree of your life, I doubt the validity of your salvation. Is your life bearing fruit to the glory of God? Matthew 7, 20, Matthew chapter 7, verse 20 says, Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. A lot of folks say, I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. God, that's just jargon. That don't mean nothing to God if there's nothing on the fruit tree of your life. You just sounding brass and tingling cymbal. The gospel of John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears how much? Much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. You can't do anything without God. And every fruit is hooked to a vine that's hooked to, to the tree that's hooked into the root system. There's no such thing as, as a tree without roots. And if you're not rooted in Jesus Christ, you're disconnected and you won't bear fruit because you're not in Christ. John 15, 16 says, you did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear what? Fruit. That's a command. We all should bear fruit. Is there a fruit in your life? Huh? And that your fruit should remain. It didn't disappear the next day. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Listen, when your, when your life is flourishing to God's to God's to your to your to God's potential for you and you're in his will and you're bearing fruit listen you can ask of God everything anything you want and he's going to give it because you're so in Christ that you're not going to ask for something that's not of him you say well what are the fruits you're talking about these fruits what are they okay I'm glad you ask then Galatians 5:22 but the fruit of the spirit is love where's your love for your wife and children for me, the church, for God, his word, huh? love, joy, joy. Some of y'all are joy snatchers. Peace. And every time you come, it's trouble. Long suffering. You're not patient with anybody. Kindness. You're mean. Goodness. You're acting bad. And faithfulness. You're on and off Christian. If you don't have any of these, then I doubt the validity of your salvation. Because God says, when you're in me, you will bear not only fruit, but you will bear much fruit. What's on your fruit tree? I'm so tired of folks saying I'm saved, but you can't see a dime worth of evidence in their life. Matter of fact, if you were convicted, put on trial and convicted of being a Christian, would there be even enough evidence to convict you? Or would the jury say case dismiss for insufficient evidence? Number eight. Are you expecting the Lord to do great things in your life this year? Or have you restricted the potential of God being at work in your life by having a small mindset? Are you expecting the Lord to do great things in your life this year? Or have you restricted the potential of God being at work in your life? By having a small mindset, you're, you're restricting the potential of God in your life by having self-doubt. 
You, you, you restrict the potential of God in your life through a lack of faith. You restrict the work of God in your life because you're always telling God what you can't do. Beloved, if you tell yourself often enough what you can't do, you will be unable to do what God is calling you to do, even though you are gifted, even though you have the time, even though you have the resources, even though you have the people around you to help you do it. So stop telling yourself what you can't do. So he said, some of you, you kill your own motivation. You kill your own dreams. You kill your own vision. Because, why, why? Small mindset, self-doubt, lack of faith, telling yourself what you can't do. Huh? Even though God has put the resources there, the giftedness there, and people around you to help you do it, but you're saying what I can't do. Genesis 18, 14, 8 says, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Matthew 19, 26 says, but Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Philippians 4, 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I love this one. Isaiah 43, 19, 8 says, behold, I will do a new thing. Isn't that beautiful? How many want God to do a new thing with you? I don't care if you're 18, 28, 38, 48, 58, 66, 88. You say, I'm old. You old enough for God to do a new thing with you. Matter of fact, according to the psalmist, the psalmist says you ought to be bearing fruit in old age. Huh? Stop. Get out the spiritual rocking chair. God has put you here because if he's not closed your eyes, he has something for you to do. Are y'all hanging with you hanging with me? We are our own worst enemy in that we cut ourselves short of God's best for us by failing. Look, by failing to dream big and expecting God by faith to do even greater things with us. God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask or what? Think. Ephesians 3.20 says now, Ephesians, Ephesians 3.20 says now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, in us. Oh God, I'm going to do two more and we'll be done. I was going to do 12, but I'm not going to do 12. Okay. Here's two. The first one, number nine. Are you continually putting away the idols of the heart? Are you continually putting away the idols of the heart? Exodus 23, chapter 20, verse 3 says, you shall have no other gods before me. First John 5, 21 says, little children, keep yourself from idols. Amen. Uh, uh, so so let, let me just break this thing down for you. An idol. So you know what it is. An idol is anything which usurps the place of God in the hearts of people. Okay? An idol is anything that usurps the place of God in the hearts of people. You say, what can that be? I'm glad you asked. It could be anything made with hands. It could be images, statues that folk bow down to, 
objects. Satan can get in objects and, 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 and draw you to them. Pictures, some people put little holy pictures of Mary and all these things and little things like that and you worship it. Some folk worship the sun, the moon, the stars. You Some folk even worship demons. You know that's demon worship? People worship men. Huh? They worship political figures and movie stars and athletes. People worship animals. Huh? Oh yeah. Folks stay home on Sunday to go to take their pets to pet mall. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. You manicure the dog, get a dog medicine. Huh? You fix the dog eyes, you pay $1,500 for a surgery. And then you grunt and, and, and stiffen up when you try to help a human being. You got some dogs sleep in beds. That's right. You bathe them in your bathtub. Some of y'all, your dogs haven't even, they've never seen a dog house. Now, I'm not against dogs. I've had a dog. My, our dog, Precious, was with us for about 16 years. She just wouldn't die. <laughs> she was out. Every time we got ready to go out of town, what are we going to do with Precious? Then you got to find a kennel. Then you got to, then the kennels are booked up. Then you're trying to find somebody that's thinking, babysit your dog. And some of y'all won't babysit somebody else's child like a single parent. Have you made an idol at your dog or your kitty cat? Kitty, kitty. <laughs> Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. <laughs> oh, God. We make gods out of ourselves. You're so, you're so full of yourself. God out of technology, God out of money, you just can't get enough of it. You got to have more. You can't give it away. You think you're going to die, it's going to go with you to heaven. You, you, you make God out of your power, your love power, you can't give it up. You make God's out of fame, work, and even angels. John being overwhelmed by the vision of God's revelation collapsed in worship before the angel. In response, the angel forbids John to do that. Instead, told John to worship God. He said, where's that? Revelation 19.10. 19.10, Revelation. And I fell at his feet to worship him. That's an angel. But he said to me, the angel, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Then he says something profound. Worship God. Hallelujah. Worship God. Not Facebook, not social media, not people, not things, not cats, not dogs, not political figures, not Obama, not some rock star, not some, some whatever. Worship God. Worship God. Last but not the least. Last but not the least. Last but not the least, I'm going to say this. What is your attitude and how is your attendance toward baptism and holy communion? What is your attitude and how is your attendance toward baptism and holy communion? Everybody with the Bible, this is the last point. Turn to 1 Corinthians 11. 23 through 26. 1 Corinthians, turn in your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, turn there. I know some of y'all got gadgets. Well, 
scroll there. I have to bite my tongue to say it. Because I believe in a Bible. A book. I'm old fogey and I ain't changing. What is your attitude and how is your attendance toward baptism and Holy Communion? First Corinthians chapter 11 verses 23 to 26 it says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Underline this now. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 25, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new new covenant in my blood. Do this do as often, underline that, this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And many of you need to repent because of your omission of this command. We are spiritually negligent, having possessed salvation through the sacrificial atoning work of the Lord Jesus on a cross while neglecting to gather with the Lord's people on the Lord's day to observe the holy sacraments, which is commanded by the Lord himself, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Since we could do nothing to save ourselves, it should give us great joy to honor our Lord as we remember his death, his burial, and his resurrection. You all coming this evening, the first Sunday of the new year, to partake of the Holy Sacrament is special, holy, God-honoring, reverent, and obedient. And you are in rebellion against God when you use cheap substitutes to stay home, watch television, gather with some folk, and do whatever you ought not be, be doing at that time. You don't have to say amen. I know I'm telling the truth. Jesus Christ came in the fullness of time, born in Bethlehem of Judea. God and 100% man. He was born to take away the sins of, of humanity for those who trust him by grace and faith alone. He lived that most high and holy example. And all the way he went to the cross in absolute obedience. He humbled himself even to the death of the cross. They slapped him. They beat him. They mocked him. They spit on him. They nailed his hand, his feet, and put a crown of thorn on his head and gudged it in his brow and blood came streaming down for you and for me. He came from heaven. He gave up royalty, majesty, and splendor just for little old sinful you and me. He hung his head when all was said and done in the locks of his shoulder and died. But early Sunday morning... Anybody know what I'm talking about in here? Early Sunday morning, Jesus Christ, my anchor, my hope, my rock, my salvation, got up at the grave with how much power? All power. 
in his hand. And the same God that rose and went to heaven, he's what? Coming back again. And he says, you know what? I did it for you. You couldn't save yourself because I did for you. I died a substitutionary death for you. And he died. He did it for me. He said, and since I know you can't save yourself, since I know you can't atone for your own sins, I want you to do one thing for me. I want you to come back often and I want you to break bread and I want you to drink of the cup in remembrance of me in gratitude for what I did for you. And you know what? Some people so selfish that they can't even come back one Sunday in the evening to say thank you in the Lord's Supper. You say, why am I saying this? Because the night is the first night. And you can't have perfect attendance unless you make the first one. Won't y'all say amen? And all God's children said, As confessed believers in the only true and living God, we miss out on countless blessings due to our lack of faithfulness, obedience, and service. The Bible tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Everything we need is at our disposal. When will we trust God enough to believe and depend on His Word? If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching by Pastor Rander, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, or call us at 210-821-5683.